Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there. I'm Lauren McGoodwin with teammates Kayleen Holden and Aliyah Kamalova. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. Today's episode will examine what story circles are and how to use them to answer any behavioral job interview question. We'll hear from an expert on this topic, Allie O'Reilly, a career coach at Career Contessa and the University of Northwestern in St. Paul. And stick around for Dear Career Contessa, our listener advice segment where we answer your career questions, starting with, how do I bring a team who doesn't like me, trust me, or value me together? Plus, we also share some helpful resources you won't want to miss. And now, this is The Females. All right, so I think we can all agree that the job interview process can be a stressful one. You think that you have everything prepared and ready to go, and then the interviewer asks you a question about your work history, and for some reason, you go completely blank. It's like a proven fact that that will happen. And I think that we've all been there, and it's nerve-wracking, and it's even tougher when you're caught totally off guard by those job interview questions. So I guess it's like, how can we not be caught off guard? Hmm. (laughs) I immediately think of this job interview experience I had where I was Going in, I think it was like a copywriter job. Um, It was like one of the first places I interviewed after college. Somehow the interview just pivoted and it was about graphic design because I have like design experience. And so I had a portfolio online and basically, I don't know how I escalated the situation, but I was just talking about design. Next thing I knew I was in the head of their graphic design. It was like this like ad agency or something like that. And the head of their design department was just with me looking at my portfolio and being like, you should take that one down. That one's solid. I would take that down and edit this one. And I was like, okay. And I was like, and then I was like, wait, how did I get here? Like, why am I? And I feel like that was like, because I just, I mean, a little bit, I feel like on the fall of the interviewer. Right. But it's also like, I was not prepared at all for this. I would have cleaned up my portfolio if I knew this was, (laughs) you know, a design interview. Yeah. But yeah, there's like random things like that that happen, even if you're super prepared for what you think they'll ask. And then next thing you know, they're looking at your design for you, critiquing you in a way you were not prepared for. <laughs> what I found too as a recruiter was that so many people, so on the candidate side, we spend all this time preparing for the interview, right? And mm-hmm. thinking about the questions they're going to ask us. Very few people who are interviewing actually prepare for an interview. So they don't know how to interview. Their mm-hmm. only experience with interviewing is having 
been a candidate before. And so oftentimes, sometimes the questions you think they're going to ask you, either you're right because they Googled 10 minutes before the question, questions to ask in an interview. (laughs) They come up with the most common ones or they have nothing. And so therefore it just becomes a conversation wherever the conversation leads. That's where the interview Mm -hmm. goes. Recruiters or hiring managers especially always should at least prepare their teams on like, what's the point of the interview? Who's going to ask what questions? Because the other thing that can happen is you can feel like you're answering the same question four or five times because Mm -hmm. it's four or five different people. So there's like two flip sides of this where you you, you don't get any of the questions you think you're going to get or you get the same questions over and (laughs) over again. (laughs) Both equally terrifying because you're like, oh, I'm answering the same question four times and that's sort of making me nervous because now they're not learning anything new about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If uh, if only there were some sort of method. <laughs> I don't know, something that was explained thoroughly yet concisely, say, in a podcast episode that could help us. Well, today is your lucky day, Kayleen, <laughs> which, by the way, I wrote that and forced Kayleen to <laughs> as a segue. <laughs> well, today is your lucky day. So on this episode, we're discussing two things. One, what are story circles and how do they relate in behavioral interview questions? And two, how to make your own story circle. So let's get into it. Before we get into story circles, let's quickly explain what behavioral interview questions are. Behavioral interview questions require candidates to share examples of specific situations they've been in and where they had to use certain skills. These questions are really common because it shows how you process information, how you problem solve, and how you work with others. It's a way to let your past work performance prove what you're capable of doing in the future for this potential employer. So these are the questions that are like, tell us about a time when you had to overcome a challenge or describe a long-term project that you managed. Right. I think these are the questions that people think about most often when they think about job interview questions. And they're tough questions because they really require you to be specific and everyone will have a different answer because these are hard. Obviously, Mm -hmm. we (laughs) needed to go straight to an expert. So I spoke to career coach Allie O'Reilly about the benefits of using story circles, especially when answering behavioral job interview questions, as well as some common interview mistakes. Let's hear what she had to say. Behavior-based interviewing is really hard for everybody. When I work with clients, by and large, when I say, what do you want to work on first? They usually say behavior-based interviewing because it's just a very intimidating concept to come up with a story on the spot. So usually I see people in two camps, one where they over-prepare and over-bake stories and they have like 20 memorized, or I see people that just wing it. And that's more so the case is people just winging it. And I would not encourage that. So what right. I like <laughs> is that story circles are, are in between. So instead of coming up with 25 stories and memorizing them, you just have to come up with like 10 that are dynamic enough that they can answer multiple questions. So it allows you to get really familiar with the stories, but not memorize them so that they can be more flexible for a variety of questions. What are some common job interview mistakes, especially when answering behavioral job interview questions? Because like you said, these are the ones that also, I feel like the minute people start to hear the interviewer phrase their question like that, they, they start to get scared. Yeah. I think the biggest mistake people make is not getting a result to their story. So in everyday conversation, we tell stories a lot and it's not super common to give a result because the people we're talking to in everyday life are not looking for like, okay, what did you accomplish? Right. (laughs) And a lot of us are just too modest to do that. And so 
truly like every single time I've coached someone, I think only one time this hasn't happened where I will say, please give me a result at the end of your answer. And then truly like two seconds after telling them that they give me a story without a result. <laughs> so yeah, it, it takes a lot of practice. Do you think that people get sort of uncomfortable thinking or feeling like maybe they're going on and on and on with their story? Because I've also had it where I'm interviewing someone and I can tell they've like, they've forgotten their point or, you know, they're like, they're like, Oh, what was the question again? So I wonder sometimes too, (laughs) if they don't get to the result because they're worried that they're talking so long. Yeah. That's funny that you say that because the other thing I had thought of for mistakes people make is rambling. And I think results actually cut that off. I love the tip about be results oriented Mm -hmm. because that can actually help you a lot when you are trying to answer these questions is remember the the results. You're just telling, sharing a problem Mm -hmm. that you had like, man, and no one knew what to do. So (laughs) yeah, that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. (laughs) This reminded me of a good story circle teller and a bad story circle teller. It brought me to the Golden Girls. (laughs) Sophia would always have this like picture at Cecily 1922 and she would sort of have this point that like finally rounded around Mm -hmm. on the other hand rose would always tell these stories about saying all off that would just never have any result (laughs) so i was just thinking of like yeah you'd be more of a sophia less Mm -hmm. of a a rose yeah everyone's been in like a social scenario too where there's like a good storyteller Mm -hmm. and then someone who just takes forever to get to their point so that's a note to self when it comes to interviewing get to your point you Mm -hmm. only have about maybe 30 minutes with the person so if you spend 15 minutes answering one question versus another candidate who is able to answer five or six questions, they already know more about that person Mm -hmm. and they might decide to move forward with that person, not for any reason other than like they were just able to learn more and started to see that they were a better fit. Later in the episode, we'll talk about how to actually make this story circle, Mm -hmm. but just being prepared ahead of time, ideally not like the night before the interview. Yes. Or even probably as you have, you know, your day-to-day if you encounter a problem where you solve something or it's a great time to just jot it down because it probably will come in handy later. Yeah. And like I used to run a storytelling show and anytime I would like prepare the night before for whatever I'm going to do on stage, I was like, I never had a story in my life. That, that's what it felt like. It's like, I've yeah. never done anything. Yeah. It's not true. You draw um, the blank. Yeah. yeah. And then you're dragging out a story with has no purpose. On the note of preparing, I just want to plug really quick. We have great job interview flashcards. It's a set of 31 common, unexpected, and tough job interview questions, and they have suggestions on how to answer them. It's one of our most popular downloads, so I figured I'd plug it in since we're on the topic. No, I mean, they're, they're really helpful because mm-hmm. I do think part of the challenge is people when she said people wing it, I don't know that people are always just like, oh, I'm just going to wing it because I'm that confident. Mm-hmm. I think that they are struggle is like, well, what, how can I prepare? So those flashcards are awesome. Mm-hmm. And a story circle is an important tool to use in a job interview because the method really allows you to memorize just, I would say like seven to 10 mm-hmm. stories, but you're prepared for like 30 to 50 different behavior based questions. So I know we're making this sound a little intimidating, but it's really not because mm-hmm. these stories are things that you know them already. And that's the beauty of stories. But like what you said, Aaliyah, you just have to spend a little time considering them. Story circles are great because they allow you to adapt your story to whatever your interview is asking. So after this quick break, we'll go over the four steps for creating your own story circles. Hi, listeners. Guess what? I wrote a book, a real book. It's called Power Moves, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot, and Build a Career of Purpose. 
I'm really excited to share my book with all of you, and it serves as a great supplement to everything we discuss on The Females. Power Moves will teach you how to build your own Power Moves approach so you can start actively guiding the direction of your career, one that provides fulfillment, with real-life examples from successful women in a variety of industries and diverse backgrounds. Plus, it's filled with practical information, advice, and essential tools, including helpful graphics, to guide women toward decisive, bold steps without self-doubt and fear tagging along. Order and learn about Power Moves today by going to powermovesbook.com. Again, that's powermovesbook, all one word, .com. All right, now let's get back to the show. We've got four steps to help you create your own story circle. Our first step, begin with practice questions. A behavior-based question asks you to tell a story about something you've done in the past. Start by thinking of a common behavior-based question for your field. A simple Google search will also give you a great start. You can literally just type in um, behavior-based interview questions. And lucky for you guys, Google will find something for you. (laughs) And so I have some quick examples of what they could be for different jobs. And we got these from... Ali's article about behavior, which we'll link to that in the show notes. So here are some examples for a project manager. For example, it could be, tell us about a time you improved a process or system. How did you go about this? And what was the result? For a graphic designer or a videographer, it could be, tell us about a time you worked with a client that had unreasonable expectations for turnaround time. How did you manage the situation? And for a nurse, this could be, give us an example of a time you had a hostile patient. How did you handle this situation? And what was the result? So again, these are all like, it does, there's not a correct answer, I guess, how you handle situation, but it's not a specific response. It just depends on your experience. I also think sometimes the question is can still be a behavior-based question, even though it's not uh, presented in that way. So the interviewer might, um, you might start by explaining, you know, maybe they said, tell me a little bit about yourself and you told them and then they lead into, oh, well, tell me how you did that. Mm-hmm. So it could also be like an add on to like a very simple question that you guys are probably very prepared for. And I think you could also check out the job listing if you're going into an interview, because usually with the qualifications, they'll have like, I don't know, someone that enjoys a fast paced environment. So you might have an idea that they ask you about a time where you had, you know, a quick turnaround or yeah. something that has that relates to that. Yeah. So if you can connect to the job postings, that's a good place to look. I tell people all the time, job descriptions tell you a lot. They do. They're They're, like such a, they're a cheat sheet. They're like the answers to the test. They're there. So also just take a highlighter and just totally. And as someone who has written a lot of job descriptions, it takes a long time Mm -hmm. to write them. And if you work for a big company where you are working with hiring managers, you're not writing those usually without the hiring manager's input. So don't write those off, I think, because what Killian's saying, like use the highlighter to go through, like print it out if you need to so you can really study it. I know that doesn't sound very fun, but job interviews are a lot of work because it is kind of like it's almost like you're back in school and you've got homework and you have to study and you have to prepare and you have to practice. But I mean, if you really want the job, that's what you got to do. Our next step for making your own story circle is be a star. And by that, we mean develop your own story using the STAR method, or I guess it's S-T-A-R. And that stands for situation, task, action, result. And I guess emphasis on results is what we've learned. The STAR method works well because it gives the interview everything she needs to know. The context of the story, what was required of you, 
the specific steps you took and the result of your actions. Right. So here's an example of what a star answer might look like. And if you are like me, you probably in an interview will be thinking to yourself like star, star, star. But like I said, I'm going to give you this example. But if you want the most important piece of advice, just remember the R, the results. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've been asked the question. So you're going to think about, let me provide the context or the situation. So an answer might be the internship application process I was managing had too many steps and I was receiving complaints from students and faculty members. The task. So what was the task for you? I needed to reduce the number of steps. Action. So this is essentially what did you do? What's the action you took to do this? I created a process map, identified steps that could be combined or eliminated, created a proposal, and asked for feedback from my team. We then implemented the changes. Again, ding, ding, ding. This is the most important part. Result. I received feedback from students and faculty that this new process was a great improvement and cut our admins' time spent on applications down by 70%. Now, we're providing this as an example, but again, the idea is that you want to give them context so they have some idea of why this was a problem. Mm -hmm. You want them to understand what was the task being asked of you and the action you took and then the result. And I'm actually going to go a step further and say that this is actually a really good formula for the bullet points that you create on your resume. So when it comes to thinking about these story circles, another great thing you can do is, and you should be doing this anyways, is tailor your resume for every single job you're applying to. And Mm -hmm. because you'll be using that job description, you can actually make your bullet points like this too. Like we talk a lot about at Career Contessa, your bullet points on your resume should not just show off your responsibilities. They should talk about your accomplishments or the actions you took. And I think what really stands out for me when I'm interviewing candidates is people who are more specific versus people who are really general. So it's like, oh, we just, you know, and like people loved it. It helped with the internship program. But in this example that we're giving you, um, we're being really purposeful about it, Mm -hmm. where it's like I was able to cut down their time by 70 percent. Or like when I was an admin assistant, I used to always use the example of not just like answering the phone, but I was able to answer upwards of like 100 phone calls within a day to make sure that people quickly got the results they need within a 24 hour period. Same answer, but like Mm -hmm. totally different. Right. And like details make you sound like really high quality. And that that's what people like. Yeah. Well, there's no way to contest that what you what your action was wasn't efficient if you have a number. If I mean, that's great if you have a number, but any hard sort of evidence of your result is like, well, yeah, you can't dispute that. Right. (laughs) I also think throwing it into a story format, especially in this way, Mm -hmm. it just shows this like broad understanding of the entire process. Yeah. yeah. Kind of we talked about getting lost in the story, you know, Rambling. starting to be like, mm-hmm. oh, and I did this and I did this. And, and they were like, all right, what was the result? And they're like, oh, my boss was glad. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, did you understand why you took these mm-hmm. steps? Did you understand, like, you know, was there problem solving in the process? And I yeah. think it's a really good way to inform all of that. I mean, mm-hmm. whenever I think my number one piece of advice in the job search in general is like whenever you can tell a story, do it because it makes Everything from your resume to your cover letter to your interview, less boring, less run of Yeah, it's more yeah. memorable. Mm-hmm. I noticed the same thing in people's like elevator pitches. So they'll start off really strong and they're like, I, I do this and I work at this company. And yeah, that's about it. And you're mm-hmm. like, you started out so strong. Where's the it's, end? It's just intimidating to just be like, and then we increased it by 70%, period. You yes. know, because then you're like, it's not enough. I have to like compensate by it. But mm-hmm. actually, I feel like the most powerful thing is just. To just very end, clearly. I know. Yeah. 
Oh, it's so uncomfortable now. It's so yeah. uncomfortable to have the silence. It's, it's, you know, by having like the, and yeah, so whatever. It's like, do you want me to keep going? I, I could just make up stuff right now. Right. It's, did I actually answer your question? Yeah. Like, I'm a bad person. Yeah. I do that. I'd be like, did I answer the question? Or just keep, I blacked out. My go-to is I'm like, well, and that's a really long answer to your question. I say that a lot <laughs> because it's my like nervous tick of trying to let you know like we are ending. And that's probably what it is. You you want the other person to be very mm-hmm. clear that you're ending. But they will if you just stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Our third tip is to actually create your story circle. So this is what you do. Mm-hmm. First, you come up with a name for your story that will jog your memory and put it in a circle. Then you put lines around your story and think of all the different types of behavior-based questions that this one story could answer. If your story can't answer at least four behavior-based questions, get rid of it or rework it, then flesh it out. The key here is to really think through how you might emphasize different parts of the story depending on the question. So -hmm. this is why it's really important for you to have at least ideas or examples of what those questions could be our flashcards are a really good tool for that. And I would do, I mean, you could certainly do this online or on the computer, but I would definitely probably start by just like pen and paper. Yeah. Because I do think there's something about like, you need the creativity to think back to the stories and you need to like ignore the distractions that can Mm -hmm. happen when you're doing anything online. Yeah. And I think visually looking at it helps a lot of people too. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Maybe you could use different colors or something. Cause then you know, if you're like memorizing seven to 10. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, there's also this, um, maybe really quick, there's this book called Moonwalking with Einstein, and it's about people who participate in those memory competitions. And all of the things they do are like things around that. It's like drawing them, you know, like a cupcake. And this is my cupcake story. Mm-hmm. And like, oh. you're the only one that knows why it's a cupcake story, yeah. but it yeah. puts it in your head. That's- what I constantly do, my boyfriend and I have like a running joke now because I'll start doing really long like memory devices for stuff. Like we parked the other day and it was like parking stop 1026 and I was like 1026 like the time like <laughs> it's just like I don't know it doesn't However, even like any time could be whatever works yeah. yeah Allie also when I was interviewing her gave a good tip about this where she was saying that when you do write these stories down the reason why you want to name them or even like draw something out for it is when you go to an interview you can take a notebook with you there's mm-hmm. like and in fact I actually kind of like it I always feel like that shows that someone prepared and like this like non-loud way of talking about it. And she was saying, you don't have to, you don't want to write everything down step by step, but you could just in your notebook, write down the name of your story. So it jogs yeah. your memory too. Cause that might, when you get nervous, you might have a hard just, time. That's when you blink. Yeah. yeah. But all you have to do is look at it and then you'll know. Mm-hmm. And our fourth and final step is to write more stories. The more stories you can come up with, the better, but not so many that you can't remember them. So again, our advice is to read through the job description multiple times and identify questions you think may be asked based not only on the requirements, but the duties as well. Yeah, make sure each story can answer different types of questions. Don't memorize your stories word for word. If you do, they're going to sound really robotic and you won't be able to adjust them as required for the question. I asked Allie about this as well for her best tips for answering questions that you know, you obviously prepared for, but you just don't want to sound like you're a robot. Let's hear what she had to say. I'd say, especially with story circles, it almost doesn't allow you to memorize your stories. And I wouldn't encourage that. I know that there's a range of confidence levels when it comes to interviewing. You know, some people, they just, you know, they thrive under pressure and they're like, I'm not going to prepare at all. And, (laughs) but then we've got people who memorize every word And I think in order to not be robotic, you just can't allow yourself to 
get too memorized. I think you need to get familiar with the story, know it really well, practice it on people, but don't have it memorized word for word because also with that, it doesn't become flexible. So I think in my article, I give an example about when I revamped an internship process. And if I would have memorized that answer, it wouldn't be flexible to like a project management question versus a leadership question, you know? So if it's a project management question, I'm going to focus more on what were the steps I took? How did I lay out my plan? You know, et cetera. If it's a leadership question, I'm going to focus more on the dynamics of the team and how I led people according to their strengths. So same story, just different emphasis. And I can't do that if it's memorized and then it's, you know, it prevents you from being robotic. I also really like her tip here about practice it. One of the things when I was in college, I I did this like mock interview on college or like the career center and they videotape you. So another tip I would have is if you're preparing for an interview, practice this stuff, of course, but then videotape yourself and Mm -hmm. watch it back because you might recognize maybe I kept touching my hair. That's one of the things I noticed is like a nervous tick that I did in the interview, but also there's something about that. If you do do a really good job, it like really boosts your confidence too. So like prepare, 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 but also maybe go a step further and actually watch yourself because it can also really make you feel good about the fact that you're like, I know my stories. Like I got this and I can be Mm -hmm. flexible. And sometimes you just need the added boost of like, you know this, Mm -hmm. now you just got to do it. Yeah. I think it kind of goes back to what Kayleen was saying about making it like an actual story. Yeah. Because it's just more entertaining. And so even though you're providing very specific things that you did and results that were accomplished. It's just more entertaining and more personable and people just connect to that. So that's only going to be more favorable in the job interview process. Yeah. And the interviewer will remember it too, Mm -hmm. which is very important. Yeah, You want them to remember what you're saying, especially because sometimes they're interviewing lots and lots of candidates for a role. You want when they all go back in that room to huddle up and talk about the person, you want them to be like, not just, oh, yeah, who is the girl with the with the yellow shirt? It's like, oh, Aaliyah, she was wearing the yellow shirt. She had this great story about yada yada. Mm-hmm. Like, she was hilarious. Actually, yeah. though, I do try to often joke in the interview. Like, you know, not anything intense, but I'll always try to, like, <laughs> literally try to make the interviewer laugh. And it always, it makes me feel more comfortable because right. that's just what I enjoy. Yeah. And I'm like, it helps me just yeah. talk more freely about stuff right. I did. And usually the interviewer is like, great. And also I'm like, that's kind of a check for like a culture fit, you know. Oh, I'm not doing anything yeah. super like yeah wacky. I'm like I'm like slipping on a banana and <laughs> you walk in yeah. your room that I placed. <laughs> like we clearly saw you put that in there, and I go, okay, it's super slapstick. <laughs> oh man! But it's true. It's like it helps you. It's like you know immediately they're like, oh, I'm open to hearing what this person has to say. Yeah. All right. So let's recap our four steps to creating a story circle. Number one, begin with practice questions. Number two, be a star, situation, task, action, result. Number three, create your story circle. And number four, write more stories. Next up, we hear from you and solve your problems. Hi, listeners. Guess what? I wrote a book, a real book. It's called Power Moves, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot, and Build a Career of Purpose. I'm really excited to share my book with all of you, and it serves as a great supplement to everything we discuss on The Females. Power Moves will teach you how to build your own Power Moves approach so you can start actively guiding the direction of your career, one that provides fulfillment, with real-life examples from successful women in a variety of industries and diverse backgrounds. Plus, it's filled with practical information, advice, and essential tools 
including helpful graphics to guide women toward decisive, bold steps without self-doubt and fear tagging along. Order and learn about Power Moves today by going to powermovesbook.com. Again, that's powermovesbook, all one word, .com. All right, now let's get back to the show. Welcome to Dear Career Contessa, the part of the show where we answer your questions. Remember, if you have a career question, you can submit it to us via DM on at Career Contessa on Instagram, email us info at careercontessa.com, or leave us a voicemail at 844-FEMALES. All of that information is also included in the show notes. Okay, so today's question came to us via email, and here's what she said. I was hired in August 2019 at a wonderful firm. I needed to learn the entire business along with doing what I was hired to do. The thing that I was hired to do was to bring all the office out of several silos and for everyone to work together as a team. So hard. I don't know the business. People don't know me. People don't trust me. And I haven't been at the company long enough to earn any respect. A lot of promises were made to the people regarding their careers before I was hired. Then those promises never came to fruition along with no communication about the promises not being fulfilled. My title is director and I have an office that has made people either mad or hurt along with everything else. So here's my question. How do I bring a team who doesn't like me, trust me, or value me together? In my team meetings, everyone just sits there. I try to be peppy, happy, and ask for their opinions and still nothing. Any advice? Four question marks. (laughs) And I want to emphasize that because I can literally feel like the struggle that she is having, which is she feels and she's probably right, that she's been put in this really challenging situation, potentially told something different in her interview, and now the reality is very far from what she thought it was going to be. You know, her expectation about her new job is a tough one, for sure. Mm -hmm. Especially if your team is just extremely resentful, is what it seems like to anyone in a management position. Then you're like, I'm the new manager. Right. And everyone's like... I know, it breaks my heart that she's like, I I don't know how to bring together a team who doesn't trust me, value me, or even like me. Mm -hmm. Feel like letting go of they don't like me is going to be the first step because that's probably not true. It's, I mean, if you were to take those people aside and ask them, do you just not like, you know, Amber? Um, Mm -hmm. They'd be like, no, it's not really Amber. It's Mm -hmm. kind of the... It's a situation, probably. Yeah. Company. So, and like, I guess they have a right to be burned a little bit by the company if they were promised so many things Mm -hmm. and didn't get any of it. It's like they have a right to be kind of upset, but not necessarily take it out on you. But I think a great way for her to handle it would be to just move forward, build confidence because there's nothing you can do, sort of. And you weren't there in the past. It's like, okay, there's a new sheriff in town. And Mm -hmm. also, I would argue that. What your team needs right now is not someone they can like, but someone who can lead them. Like they're desperate for this like person to come in and be like, I have your back. I'm the leader here. I'm going to motivate you. We're going to get this done together. And so Mm -hmm. I do feel like. And also like advocating for the team. Mm -hmm. Because like say they were promised something, you can be the representative of your team. Like why weren't, Mm -hmm. why wasn't this done? Yeah. And maybe you could, you know. I would also say this is maybe a team that's feeling like. Either, obviously, they've been promised things they haven't gotten or their opinions clearly don't matter. So probably the first thing I would do if I were her is I would set up a one-on-one with every single Mm -hmm. person and just listen. Ask them, hey, what's your job here? How are you feeling about the overall work environment? And what do you want? Like, just just listen. Just be Mm -hmm. a sponge. respectful. Mm -hmm. And give everyone the ability to share what they're thinking because, as Kayleen said, it might not be that they don't like you Mm -hmm. or that they don't value you. It's that they're mad at the situation, right? Which is 
maybe very understandable. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably start with that. And it opens that like feedback loop. Yes. Where in the future, if they're upset by something, then they can come to you and feel open that you will be receptive and right. that it will hopefully be resolved. Totally. And then come up with a game plan. Mm-hmm. Like listen to everybody and then come up with a game plan. Even if you have to go to your higher ups and be like, okay, guys, I talked to all of you. I talked to the higher ups here. Like maybe what this team needs right now is just some clarity on like how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think you need to force peppiness. Like, yeah. I think, I think that could come off as inauthentic if you're feeling horrible. I think that would be really off-putting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if maybe this company has a history of like sweeping like, things under we're the about, yeah, yeah, we're about to do this great thing. You're all about to get these raises. Everything's great. And, and then it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And then a new person comes in and it's like, yeah, everything's going to be great. Like, <laughs> like we've we're, seen this. we're a team. Yeah. We, you know, we love right. each other. And it's, also, if you want your team to trust you off of what you're saying, then trust is built with consistency. Like people mm-hmm. need to predict that whatever you say you're going to do, you actually do. So if yeah. you want their trust, make sure that whatever you are saying to your team, like you're getting raises, you're going to work on this project, like just make sure that they can predict that you stand by your word. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important for teams and just trust and value in the person that is leading you. And in terms of the office space, like that's, that's tough because it's such a visual like thing that you're like literally everyone going in and they're looking at you in your office. Right. But if you kind of make that associated with a space of collaboration and just, you know, bring the door open. Yeah, exactly. Keep the door open, invite other people to come in, mm-hmm. um, have meetings in there so it doesn't feel like it's a space that only you're allowed to be in. Have a jar of Hershey Kisses that, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like a school counselor or something. <laughs> I mean, the other other argument is that, like, they actually have found that open workspaces are not that great for <laughs> focus work. So here's another thing. I think that people are, are okay with their boss having an office as long as there's – it doesn't symbolize, like, you're only in there when you're in trouble yeah. or – they're mad and they slam the door and like I don't know I'm thinking of all those I think like just little body language type things like don't yell out from your office if you need to call someone (laughs) which happened a lot at a previous job I had (laughs) because we were all assistants outside and it's like I don't know there's some I mean especially now it's that you can just slack someone or whatever if they're far away but don't just like yeah I don't know beckon people yeah exactly I feel like that sets up the divide so much right I just feel like this person, while I, I feel for her, I don't think this is like something you can't come back from. Mm-hmm. I Do I think it's challenging? Yes, but I feel like you're totally up for the challenge. The fact that you're even asking this question means you care. You feel this way because you care, right? Mm-hmm. You you, you want to be liked. You want this team to value and respect you. That's already a really good thing to have as a manager. I agree with Kayleen. Like, we don't need your authenticity. We need consistency. We need you mm-hmm. to come in and do what you say you're going to do, direct the team, making sure that you are providing clarity for people about what's expected for them and you are their advocate. I think it really hurts to ever feel like your boss doesn't have your back, mm-hmm. you know, and we're working to help you and you should be helping us at the same time, you know? Yep. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. You guys know we love hearing from you and we read every single review. We mentioned our job interview flashcards earlier in the episode. We link to those free downloadable flashcards in the show notes if you're interested in checking that out. And thank you to our expert, Allie O'Reilly, a career Contessa career coach. You can find more information about Allie and our other coaches in the show notes as well.